It's so good to be with you today as we continue our series of Empty and Filled, the, the power of this Lenten season. And so we're glad that you are here. Many of you, maybe this is your first time during this season, so I want to catch you up briefly. The question is, why Lent? Why do we, why do we do this? Why was this incorporated into the church calendar year? Why did they say this would be a good thing for us to do on a yearly basis? Uh, the understanding was that they know that, uh, it is our human tendency to kind of drift into patterns and patterns away. And we need to be confronted with some things on a yearly basis because we have this tendency to do these things. So why do we have Lent? Well, first of all, Lent is a season of facing our That this is a time that the ancient folks said, it's a time for us to enter into the story, yes, but it's a season where we're confronted with the places where we still need God's Spirit to work at us, to mature us, to grow us, and to transform our lives through His love. And so we need this season on a yearly basis to just kind of take some time to be with the Lord. It is also a season of emptying ourselves of unnecessary and often distracting comforts. That's why we give up, you know, coffee or the internet or Facebook or, you know, chocolate or those types of things. Those things that are unnecessary comforts, but can also be replacements for what God wants to do in our lives. And so they can be distracting. And so we give them up not to make ourselves holy, but to say and to look at, uh, look at our lives and allow those things to show us where we still need to grow. It is also a season of directing our desires toward our Savior, Jesus Christ. That as those things, those giving up those distractions of being confronted with our, our sin, our places where we still need to grow, that we can then direct those desires to Jesus, who is our Savior. So this is the reason why every year, from Ash Wednesday to Good, uh, to good Friday, we are in this season of Lent together. This is a good season, a good discipline, a good reminder of every year why we do these things. So today, let's look at our our reading for today, and we're going to read from right before where Paul so beautifully read for us, and we're going to read in Philippians 3, and we're going to start at, I know, 4b. It's the second half of verse 4. Um, It's on page 803 in your pew Bible if you want to take that out. However you get your Bible, you can grab one in the pew in front of you. You can get it online. Uh, You can get it with a Bible app. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. That means, that means he had at least the first five books of the Bible committed to memory. And what any important rabbi had said about anything in those first five books. Anybody there yet? Not me. Okay. All right. A Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, anyone that was outside of Judaism who claimed to be Jews and who followed this Jesus of Nazareth, I persecuted them because they did not know the way. I knew the way. And my commitment to what I believed led even to persecution. That's how strongly he believed. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. That's a big claim. 
But, he goes on, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness, a right relatedness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Pause right there, because many of you, including this Bible here, has a little uh, highlight there, because some of your translations say faith in Christ. A better translation of that uh, is the faithfulness of Christ. If you look right down in your little margins, it will say, or through the faithfulness of. I believe that's a better translation. Because oftentimes we can say, oh, it's my faith, it's my belief in Jesus that makes me saved. No, it's because Jesus was faithful. It's because Jesus was faithful all the way to the cross and through hell on to resurrection. That is why I can have right relationship with Jesus. Now, it includes faith. We'll talk about that in a a minute. But... Not having a righteousness, let's go back to verse 9. And to be found in Him, not having a righteousness, a right-relatedness of my own that comes through the law, but that which is through the faithfulness of Christ. The right-relatedness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So I still have to say yes, but it's because Jesus was faithful. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and the participation of His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Amen. Well, I feel like we need to, again, have just a little bit of a historical context. Whenever it comes to a letter of Paul, we kind of need to know who he was writing to, where he was writing from. And it just helps us understand a little more what he's trying to do in our little passage. And so we need to know, first of all, that the city of Philippi was a Roman enclave in modern-day Macedonia. So this was an area where the Roman army had gone in, and they had swept through, and they decided this would become a good place uh, to set up a town an outpost, a village, and so they began to do this. And it must have been a very nice place because scholars tell us that retired Roman army officials uh, kind of retired there. They, they liked the climate or something about the city. So the city was full of ex-soldiers uh, who were loyal to Caesar and to their nation, the Roman Empire. And so they were all there, and in comes this Jew, uh, Paul of Tarsus. And he begins to say, instead of Caesar is loyal, Lord. No, he preaches Jesus is Lord. Instead of Caesar is the son of God, which the Romans would have believed, he says, no, Jesus is the son of God. Well, they would have said Caesar saves us. He would say, no, Jesus saves us. So uh, you would think that that wouldn't go very well. But obviously some people found that to be good. And a little church began there. And they began to be persecuted after a while. Paul had moved on. In fact, Paul was now writing from prison back to this, this little church that constantly took risks of living and declaring a message counter to the Roman Empire. And so they were under a little persecution, but they sent him a basket and Epaphroditus came to deliver it. So he was both saying a thank you to this little church and then wanted to encourage him, encourage them. The other thing that we need to know about the book of Philippians is that it centers 
fully on chapter 2. And so I feel like you need to hear this, although it is probably uh, something that you have heard before. Paul really wants to focus everything around this passage. This passage, if you back up just a chapter, will begin in verse 5 of chapter 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. Phronesis, the attitudes, the mindset, as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the focus of the whole thing. And and we'll see this because even though it's a thank you note, he begins to look and show and point out examples of someone not following like Jesus, not using things to their own advantage, giving them up in order to serve others. So if you look at chapter 1 and get through there, he says thank you, he greets them, and he tells them, You didn't have to do this. You had the advantage. I'm in jail. And you have all this. And it's a long journey. And it's a long distance. And you sacrificed of your own stuff. You didn't uh, equate your own wallets and food and all of that as something to be used for your own benefit. You gathered for me and you sent it out. Thank you. And then he talks about Epaphroditus who brought it. He said he didn't have to do this. This wasn't something that he signed up for, but he willingly chose to take this gift on a long journey and he became violently sick and we thought he was going to die. He sacrificed to be a servant to me, to bring something to me. That's like Jesus. Then he has our little hymn that we just read and then we move on to what we are going. Because what was also beginning to happen in this little church is those that group. Last week we talked about them in Rome, where they were saying, oh, because we're Jews and we have the law, uh, we should be in charge. And Paul says, (laughs) the thing you're claiming to win your argument is the very thing that's defeating you. Don't do that. All are, are equal. This group had found its way to Philippi as well. And was starting to talk about Paul's past and talk about Paul's what Paul had done uh, in Judaism. He, they began to boast and say, in particular, you, if you are a non-Jewish Christian, you need to go through our system in order to become a Christian. And Paul says, no, 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 let me talk about this. And he's going to tie it back in beautifully to what we have seen we just read we're going to we're going to look at that more in a second but what is he saying when he says okay i have all of these things i've got all those things if anybody had reason to to boast of their accomplishments paul says i have more and he goes through all of those they don't kind of make sense to us nowadays but he was saying i was a hebrew of hebrews he said i'm the jewish as jewish as they come i've done everything in fact he says i was faultless when it comes to following the law But here he is. He wants to be like Jesus. And so he says, I can't use those to my own advantage, but I consider them now rubbish. I let them go. 
I let them go. I let them go. We're going to have to look at that because Paul is trying to tie us and this little church in Philippi back to that beautiful hymn about Jesus and calling us, if we are followers of Christ, to be followers of those who let go of advantage in order to serve. That's a hard message. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying in this that the criteria you think makes you worthy of Christ can be the very thing that blocks your path to Christ. It can be the thing that you kind of puff yourself up with. And that's not like Christ, who is in the very form of God, but gave everything up, even to the point of death on a cross. He said, if you want to get to Christ, it's through the cross, not through the glory of your accomplishments. The criteria you think makes you worthy of Christ can, in fact, block your path to Christ. Now, this should get us thinking. In this direction, it should get us thinking that sometimes the hardest things to let go of are not our blights, but our blessings. It's not our sins, but our superiority complex that can be sometimes the most difficult thing to let go of. Because we work so hard for those accomplishments. We work and we, we've studied and I'm paying until I'm 62 years old for those diplomas that I, that I covet so, so rapidly. But Christ, but Paul wants us to know, but that's not what Christ did. Christ let go of every advantage in order to become a servant, even to the point of death. Did you ever think this? Did you ever think that we often see our greatest weaknesses sometimes as a strength? That there is a strength in, in our weakness. In fact, Paul will say that later on. But what also if our greatest strengths are sometimes our greatest weaknesses? In psychology, we would say that every strength kind of has a, a shadow side. It's, it's not necessarily evil or bad. It's just a thing we want to hide. We don't want other people to see it, and we try and keep people from seeing that thing. And sometimes our strengths can be focused upon something that's a little more shadowy. And Paul wants to bring that to light. In fact, Aaron Straza in her book, Comfort Detox, says this, The blessings of food, relationship, or material treasures can be used and enjoyed appropriately, but they can also become substitutes for our greatest comfort. What Paul would say, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That is part of why there's this season of being emptied to be filled. It is to be emptied of those things that are distracting us from the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, comparison surpassing worth. I want to I want to try try something here. Um, if this is okay, we'll have a, a little example. So, I need a volunteer to come up here. So, whoever would like to be first, just jump on up. Don't everybody jump at once. Mickey's coming. All right. Thank you, Mickey. I want you to know that right here in my pocket. I have for you one dollar. Look at it. It is completely whole. Does this look like a good one dollar? Yes. Everything's okay? Yeah. Now, with this one dollar, you would be able to buy a song on iTunes. Can you still buy a candy bar for a dollar? On occasion, maybe? Depends on the candy bar. So, um, I, I want you to have that. There it is. That's yours. You can keep it. But now, I also have $10. Now, this $10 has a little rip in it, but I think it'll be okay. It's, it doesn't look quite as nice as the $1. But I will let you know. Now, if you want to give me 
the $1 bag or just lay it on the ground, um, you could have this $10 bill. Which would you prefer? The 10. The 10. Are you sure now? It, it has a little tear here. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. All right. So lay that one down and I'll give you this 10. Now, why did you choose the $10 bill over the $1 bill? It's worth more. So the surpassing worth of $10 was better than the $1. Right. Amazing. Let's see how this works. It's not that the $1 is terrible. It's that the $10 has surpassing worth. And so because Mickey was my volunteer, I will give you $11. And thank you very much for being our volunteers. Now I need another volunteer. Who wants to go? Oh, yeah, yeah. See, now that's what happens. That's what happens. See, that's, that's the thing. Mickey came up on faith that it was going to be okay, which we have to have, right, to receive this. But now you're, now you're in your certainty. And what certainty is, is what our, our gifts and our strivings and our working and all the things that we've accomplished tries to make us do. But Paul wants us to understand that this is important. Some of you may, may know, recognize it this way. See, uh, many years ago now, um, I made a vow so that I could know the surpassing worth of knowing Lori Ann Bird. That was her maiden name. And I said, I... Compared to all other women, they are rubbish to me for the surpassing worth of knowing Lori Ann Bird. It's not that other women are bad. It's not that they were terrible. It's just that to know Lori was more important and I would let go of all those other opportunities for relationship in order to focus and know Lori at a deep level. That is what that word knowing is. It's not knowing about Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's head knowledge. It is knowing, experiencing, intimate knowledge of knowing how Jesus operates, of knowing what His mindset is, of knowing how He would operate in the world, of knowing what Jesus would do if He were in my shoes going out into the world. Knowing that was more important to Paul than all the accolades that he could achieve. Now, look at it. I mean, he, does, he says, they're all rubbish to me. I let them go in order to have this intimate knowledge with Christ. But they're not bad. He continued to use them. You know, when he went into any city, if you read through the book of Acts, he went into the synagogue. He was able to do that because he was Jewish and because he was a Pharisee. And he stood up and he taught. He was able to do that because of that. He uh, eventually even one time claimed his Roman citizenship to help him. So it's not that they're bad. It's just that in comparison, I would let them all go in order to be like Christ, which is to serve I want to use all of them in the opportunity to serve. Not for the advantage, but for the opportunity to serve. And that is important. They are way less valuable than the intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. And they are also opportunities to be like Christ by denying the advantage of them to become a servant. That's what Paul is trying to help this little church continue to understand. He's praising them and wanting to drive the, drive the spike even deeper. So the questions for us today are, so what is he worth? 
to you? What is this intimate knowledge of knowing Christ worth to you? Because we believe as a church that He is available to be known now, here, in this place, and in this time. What opportunities do you have to let go of what would give you advantage to use them to be a servant like Jesus? So I, I felt like the only way I could kind of give an illustration is to, is to maybe model some of this. So I can look at awards. I've brought some props in. These have been in a, in a drawer in my office for a while. These are awards that I was given for various things. But honestly, folks... Yeah, these these could give me advantages, and sometimes I'm sure they have on a resume. But for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, I only want these to be used so that I can let go of the privilege and use them to be a servant. They they have to they have to they have to be let go of so that I could know Christ. And the power of his sufferings and resurrection. You know that resurrection never comes without death. This is what Paul is trying to get us to wrestle with as a church today. That there are things that we have to let go of. You know, some of those awards came while I was in the process of of, uh, receiving this education. BA, Pastoral Ministries, Treveca, MA, and Theology and Bible. MS, marriage and family therapy. This gives me a lot of advantages. But for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ and His resurrection life, I have to say no. Uh, these, These aren't to be used for my own benefit, my own advantage. These are to be used as opportunities to serve, to lay them aside in order to serve. And sometimes that means, yes, of course, using my educations, but my education, but sometimes it is about letting go of even that in order to be a servant that doesn't require any education, but to just go and to serve. We are called to that. I know this may seem strange, but in some ways, this denomination gives me a lot of advantages. And yet, Pastor Earl Lee was a pastor at Pasadena First Church during its heyday. I remember him saying one time, some point this side of heaven, we all have to drop off our denominational signs. And if this is not an advantage, or this is not to be used as an advantage, but if this is not an opportunity to serve the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then it has to be let go of. It has to be placed at the foot of His cross to say, No, not for advantage. Not to be served, but to serve. That denomination also ordained me. They said that we see gifts and graces in you and we want want you to use them among us. This is my minister in good standing card because I can't find my ordination papers. This can be used. 
some of you may have experienced an ordination being used for an advantage, for privilege. I pray that's never said of me. Because I believe that this is given to me as an opportunity to serve. And in that serving, to know the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior, who was in the very form of God and gave up everything to show me the way of service. So this has to be let go of. There are others, though. There's education. There's my mind that God has given to me. That has allowed me to study, and I love it. And so to represent that, I have my Hebrew Bible and my Greek New Testament which I bore you to tears with on occasion. But these, in my mind, is to be a gift that God has given in order to serve others. Not to puff up myself with my knowledge. Not to declare that my interpretation is more righteous than your interpretation and to browbeat you over the head with it. But to try as best I can to help you understand the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who gave everything for us. And invites us into this life of faith. Now I was born in a country. We've got many countries up here. You can look at that flag over there. This is, this is George Bradeen's flag. Joyce gave it to me a long time ago. It's been in my office. To be born in this country gives me some incredible advantages. Amen? It does. But Jesus Christ did not die on the cross for me to be an American. Jesus Christ died for me on the cross that I might understand His resurrection power while I am serving. And if He calls me to give up this country, then I want to say yes. And it's not to pick up another one of those flags or any flag, but it is to pick up the cross which teaches me of his love and his comfort in the midst of serving others and dying. This, too, has to be set at the foot of the cross. Oh, there's more. You know, you know I was going to get here. Here's my wallet. Finances. I've been blessed. How about you? Some of us would say maybe more than others. But this was not given to me to take advantage of for my own benefit. But as an opportunity to serve others through my finances. And to do that because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That too has to go to the foot of the cross. And even... Some of the titles that I hold. Uh, I'm, I'm a dad. This ring right here was given to me when Jackson was born by my wife. It's made out of metal that's only found in that uh, region of Ireland. And yeah, maybe some of you had dads who took their title and position as dad to lord it over you. I was blessed not to have that. But I have to be reminded, and Paul calls me to be reminded, that even the task, the title of being a father is to be a servant. 
to teach and pass on what I have learned, and to learn about life fresh and new from my son's eyes. Whenever Jesus' disciples were getting too heady and too theological, he grabbed a child and brought him in and said, this is what my kingdom is like. So even this becomes an opportunity to serve. I I was going to take off my wedding band, but I don't think it will come off. (laughs) And I'm not going to cut my finger off, so... But I will say that this too, husbands, do you realize that this is not a title to take advantage of? But Paul will say in another whole book, it is a, it is an opportunity to lay aside the power and the privilege in order to learn the service that Jesus can teach you to your wife and in your marriage. That we are to be The head, yes. The first, the fountain of submission to Christ and to our spouse. Did you know this, if it would come off, I would put right there at the foot of the cross. And finally, everything else that I am, my makeup, my personality, my attitudes, my body, with its frailties, its infirmities, whatever it is, I am called to realize that what I have been given is the temple of the Holy Spirit that enables me to take this humble form that God has blessed me with and to use it in the service of others. Ultimately, the call of Christ is a call for you to give everything for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ who gave everything for you. And will empower you to become a servant like He was a servant. Maybe for some of us even to the point of death. But the good news is there's a therefore. Because when we die, we experience resurrection. And we have this hope because of what Jesus has done. And I want to serve in that way. I want to serve by giving all of who I am for it. Him to show me how to pour my life out in service for others. As Paul would say, that by some means I might gain and attain the resurrection from the dead. What about you? What about you? What do you have to give? Is He of surpassing worth to you? I invite you today into the good news of knowing Christ Jesus, your Lord, who was faithful all the way to the cross and opened the doorway for you to know what God's love is all about. And if you've been around church and you've said yes to Jesus, but there are some still some things that are holding you back, that's what Lent is for. And now is the opportunity to allow yourself to be emptied for His cause. To take up like He did, leaving everything to come and serve. To take your advantages and turn them into opportunities to serve. Are you willing to do that? In the Church of the Nazarene, that's what we call sanctification. It's letting go of everything in order to be filled to the full with His Spirit. His love, His mercy, His compassion, His ability to serve. I'm going to have Lori come and begin to play. And I just feel like today, I I know it's about five minutes after, but I feel like there are some of us 
who need to come and pray. And by coming to pray, you're simply saying, God, you don't have to take all these things out. You probably didn't come prepared with your decrees and diplomas and cars and all that kind of stuff. But by coming to pray, you're taking all of who you are and you're simply saying, Lord Jesus, I lay it. This is what we call the altar. I'm just coming because you've blessed me with so much, but I want to know the power of your resurrection. So I want to come and I want to lay all of that down. I want you to fill me. I want, I want to be empty so that you can fill me and show me how these advantages that I will still have after this sermon is done will no longer be something that I take advantage of, but see as an opportunity for service. What do you have? What do you have? Would you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for Paul's message. No matter who we are, we have ourselves to give. No matter what type of blessing you have given to us, they are opportunities not for our advantage, but they are opportunities for service in your kingdom. So come and teach us today. Break that spirit within this church that says having Jesus in my heart is for me to know where I go after I die. Help us to realize it's not about what we would do if we knew we were going to die tonight, but what would we do if we knew we were going to live and live for a long time? Would we live with the surpassing knowledge of Him? Would we surrender everything in order to attain the resurrection from the dead? So today, Father, open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and help us to come and to surrender all that we might look and love and serve like you looked and loved and served. And help us to do that in your name.